city to city, state to state, worldwide. You're listening to the In the Zone Network. This is it. Hey, everybody! This is Ashley Wright from Sports with Ashley, and you are listening to The Price Check. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to uh, another episode of the Price Check Podcast here on the In The Zone Network. Very, very special episode that we got today. Definitely don't want to waste too much time here on the front end, but we had a great inter- uh, interview with Bally Sports on Brandon Scoop B. Robinson uh, that he was able to uh, come on and join us uh, both via Zoom and, of course, you'll get the audio here on the podcast. But then friend of the program that you've heard before, Jewel Meeks, also joins us. Uh, he comes on here on the second part. Uh, of our show uh, and talks through some all NBA teams as well as a preview of both the Eastern Conference and Western Conference playoffs. So uh, we'll take a quick break. Right after the break, we'll get into the interview with Brandon and, of course, followed by our uh, talk with Jewel about the playoffs. So this is the Price Check here on the End Zone Network. Hey folks, the A-Train here for Cafe Piazza. Now I know you've heard about our sponsor on many of our shows. It's located at 1900 Arsenal Street at the corner of Arsenal and Limp, just a block away from the Anheuser-Busch Brewery. Let me tell you something. They have wonderful Sicilian pizzas. My favorites are the Tuto Carni and the Pizza Bianca, especially the Bianca. Try it and you'll thank me later. They also got some wonderful brews, and their great weekend brunch, which is from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. And now they have added the Benton Parkade. And it's got pool tables, arcade games, pinball machines, darts, and more. It's great for parties, small gatherings, or just a cool hangout with friends. So swing by Benton Parkade over at Cafe Piazza, 1900 Arsenal Street at the corner of Arsenal and Limp. You can find them online at CafePiazza.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cafe Piazza STL. And tell them the A-Train sent you. City to city, state to state, worldwide. You're listening to the In The Zone Network. This is it. What? Hey, you over there. Yeah, yeah, you. I'm Brandon Scoopy Robinson, national NBA writer at Valley Sports Network. You know I got to check out my guys. Cha-ching! The Price Check Podcast. They're in there like swimwear. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Price Check Podcast here on the In The Zone Network. Uh, of course, y'all know, listening to the show, we love celebrating those who secure the bag. And for, for once here on the show, we got a special guest that we can actually celebrate with a secure the bag. Also, Mr. Brandon Scoop B. Robinson of Valley Sports. How are you doing today, sir? Man, sir is my daddy, but I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good, man. So, no, wanted to definitely say congratulations on the new role at NBA Insider there for Bally Sports, man. It's a huge, huge thing there. So, um, also wanted to give you a chance just starting out, man, uh, let our listeners know how you got started in covering the NBA and uh, getting to where you are now. Well, I always tell people I'm not new. Um, y'all just realize me um, in the sense of um, – I started at 12. I had a radio show with the Nets uh, as a kid, uh, 12 years old, back when they were in New Jersey. 
And, uh, you know, so you're talking, you know, Sam Cassell, Stephon Marbury, Kendall Gill, Jason Williams, era. Um, you know, and essentially I uh, auditioned hundreds of kids, uh, auditioned at Chelsea Pier, Manhattan. Um, and what, it, what eventually happened was um, second callback, Dangerous Fields Comedy Club was the second callback. And then what happened, I don't want to say what had happened because you'll say I'm lying, but um, <laughs> essentially what, what, what took place um, was that uh, I got, I was chosen among eight, amongst eight kids to do commercials with the crash dummies. I don't know if y'all remember the crash dummies back in the day. <laughs> yep. All right. Yeah, so it was slightly before my time, but I got, I got the tail end of those. I'm telling my age, but um, essentially um, what happened was the Nets were rebranding at the time. New logo, John Calipari was the vice president of basketball operations. Keith Van Horn was their first round draft pick. And they wanted to do a radio show with a ton of sponsors. Um, and, you know, they they called this particular radio station um, that I was now working for called Oz World Radio. Um, and they were like, do you have anybody locally that, you know, um, likes basketball? So they they knew it was me. Um, and, you know, I sat in interviews and they liked me and, you know, here, here I am, but, um, yeah, I, I, you know, around that time doing radio with the Nets, I'd be in the locker room on both sides of the, the locker room, the home and away. And, you know, I'd be in media scrums with Chris Broussard, Adrian Wojnarowski, Stephen A. Smith. Um, and we're talking 1997. So, you know, right. Stephen A. was at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Woes was at the Bergen Record in New Jersey. Chris Broussard was at the New York Times. So um, I feel like I've grown with their career. If they feel, if I feel old, they feel old. Right. Um, yeah, and, and here we are now. Look at it, man. Look at it. So that is the voice of Brandon Scoop B. Robinson. So um, really just going to get right into the action today. Of course, this is the best time of year in, in the NBA playoff time. Um, of course, you being from New Jersey, probably pretty excited to see where the Nets are, I guess, aside from where they actually reside, it, it being in Brooklyn versus being in New Jersey still. But um, I guess just kind of give me what, you know, what storylines, what series are you looking forward to most right now here in the playoffs? Honestly, um, I'm excited for two matchups. I'm excited for uh, Portland and Denver. I'm right there with you. <laughs> and I'm also excited for um, the Knicks and the Hawks. Okay. Okay. Uh, because I think that those two games are, they could go either way. And even though the each series, the seeding is higher, the other team is just as capable. When you look at the Knicks and the Hawks series, those two teams have the exact same record. Yep. Um, and the Knicks' journey is a little bit more uh, appeasing because of locality, but also because they haven't gone to the playoffs since 2013. And um, we were hoodwinked, bamboozled, and led astray. Uh, <laughs> Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and Zion Williamson would potentially be in Manhattan. Uh, a couple of free agencies and drafts ago. Um, but also in Denver, I think a storyline that is going to be very much um, talked about on, on television is uh, this is the first time that Carmelo Anthony has played against the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs since he's left. Mm. Very intriguing. He's played in the Eastern Conference for the Knicks for years. Um, and then, you know, playing for OKC, playing for Houston. Houston, he never made it to the playoffs, but, um, you know, playing for the Portland Trailblazers he plays against his Denver Nuggets team. So those are the two that really stand out. Um, I'd like to see Portland win that. I would like to see the Knicks uh, pull it out because 
I want to see the Knicks play against the Sixers in the playoffs. I do. I do want to see the Knicks get to the second round. We actually talked about that on our last episode, and I was at the time this was before the final uh, seeds were were there. I was hoping that we could get Brooklyn versus the Knicks. I I, I wanted that for for my East Coast people. I, I felt like that probably would have would have broken the state of New York, but. It, you know, unfortunately, we had to wait till maybe next year or a year after something like that. But um, right there with you in terms of the Knicks and the Hawks, I think that's going to be a drag out series. Um, I think Denver might be able to get Portland, but I'm also banking on Michael Porter Jr. to have a, a pretty good series there. And he still yeah, got to show us a little bit, though. People people um, compare Porter to KD and just his his his. I don't want to say lazy game, but if, if I can make a hip hop reference that makes sense, um, almost like that Lloyd Banks, fabulous mace type of relaxed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I feel it. On the, but on the basketball court, I, I feel like, you know, people try to make that comparison. Personally, I, I was banking on Brandon Ingram being the, the second coming of that. Um, yeah. But, you know, people tried to put Ja Rule and, and, and DMX in that same box too. So I guess there's room for everybody as far as just, flow you know similarities in that in that in that regard but you know as it, as it relates to michael porter jr uh, I, I really was impressed with him going back to the playoffs last year where he was snitching in press conferences and that and used that as <laughs> like i was like okay this is a little firecracker right here he, he's here to stay for the long run i got a funny michael porter jr story i'm ready for it all right so a couple of years ago back when we were all outside uh i was invited to a party at the players tribune Mm-hmm. And everybody was there, like uh, Darius Miles, um, uh, Nate Robinson, uh, Michael Rappaport, um, Scotty, all these people, right? Yep. So they were giving out gift bags. Jerry and Grant was there. The Nuggets were in town playing the Knicks, so they had gift bags for everybody. I'm like, where my gift bag at? I got my Michael Porter Jr.'s gift bag. They gave me his gift bag. Wow. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't get no gift bag that day. (laughs) What were in the contents of that gift bag? Um, AirPods, a hat, T-shirt. I only wanted the AirPods. I gave my... I don't wait for the AirPods myself. Definitely. Definitely need those. Yeah, but yeah, that that was was a fun... um, a fun evening and uh, <laughs> yeah shout out to the players too man no so um really quickly before we switch gears back to the Knicks Hawks series how much of a buzz is going around the city of New York right now that the Knicks are kind of back in the hunt um you know I, I think when you look at the city of New York it still is a Knicks town um mm-hmm. and I think even if the Nets do win um the finals uh it still is a Knicks town but um I, I think New York, particularly on the Manhattan side of things with the Knicks, you're born a Knicks fan. The Nets, you're still developing a tradition or developing an identity. And I think that that is um, where we're at. I think it's great that you have both teams in it because they both, in the words of Rasheed Wallace, both teams play hard. Um, (laughs) But I, I think when you look at just what the Knicks have done, it's great because for a long time, Knicks fans were just like upset, like, like, I feel like they reestablished culture. It started with Thibodeau, um, mm-hmm. kind of just, you know, in, in his story, being an assistant and finding his way back in a dream job situation. 
Um, I, I think it also begins and ends with um, the, the hiring in the front office. Um, and I think that, you know, that, that culture and having that backbone, I think even last off season, um, when there was, you know, discussions of bringing Chris Paul to New York, um, particularly because of that expiring deal, I think it's great that the Suns, you know, did, did have, have, um, you know, found a level of uh, relevancy in the postseason as well. But, you know, that was a conversation as it related to him coming to New York. Um, I, I think Derrick Rose coming has been great. I think drafting quickly has been great. Uh, I, I also think R.J. Barrett in year two. I mean, he's putting up in the regular season in his sophomore year. You know, they say the sophomore album is usually the difficult album. Right. Uh, but I, I think at the same time, um, when you look at uh, the numbers he's putting up, I mean, he's in he's in the same conversation statistically uh, that Magic Johnson, LeBron James, and Luka Doncic are in. Uh, we 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 know who Magic and LeBron are. We're still, you know, we're still enjoying the rise of of Luca. Give him his prop his props because uh, he's doing his thing. But you know, RJ Barrett is doing his thing too. And you know, I think the combination of RJ and Julius Randle together, as well as Nerlens Noel, is going to be great. And I'll tell you, one of the keys to this series uh, that that isn't discussed enough. I think Alec Burks is going to do his thing um, in the playoffs for um, the Knicks. But you know, when you look at the Hawks. I'll add this. I know you asked me specifically about the Knicks, but when you look at, look at the Hawks defensively, they're, they're impressive to me. Um, hey, yes. I, I, and I don't mean to cut you off, but Clint Capella has been a revelation for them all season long. Um, and again, Nate McMillan coming in and the job that he's done since taking over for Lloyd Pierce, I think just getting them to buy in defensively when that was the big question coming into the season for them. Um, is this just a fantasy basketball team or can they actually get stops? Yeah, like, and I think it's so much like, okay, so look at last offseason with 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 Rondo and, and I'm thinking it was smart because Rondo got the two-year deal he wanted. I know Boston was interested. I know the Clippers were interested as well. The Hawks gave him to your deal. Rondo was looking to kind of um, make a situation where he, he'd be a coach after playing. I, I was writing about that during the finals last year, just how he was making that transition. And, and, and Atlanta was what made sense. But ultimately, the Clippers made sense because they flipped Lou for Rondo. So Rondo still gets his two-year deal. He, he'll transition to being coach. And Lou Williams can get lemon pepper wings whenever he wants. Yes, sir. <laughs> and, That's the most important fact. And, and, and I'll add this. I'll say that when you look at the Atlanta Hawks' um, uh, schematics, the roster at large, I, I like not just Clip Capella, who I think, you know, just like um, the, the big man in, in, in Indiana um, should be getting more discussions as it relates to defensive player of the year, Turner. Yeah, Miles Turner. I also think when you look at, you know, uh, Rudy Gobert, who at one point, I was writing something the other day, I know at one point Gobert was averaging like 2.7 blocks per game. Capella had 2.1. Capella also was was a league leader in rebounds, if I'm not mistaken, was the leader in rebounds this year. Yeah. Uh, but there's so much other pieces that go to the puzzle in Atlanta, John Collins, um, I, who you know was there were a lot of teams who were inquiring personally i think if atlanta were to trade john collins i think that the the the, the uh, boston celtics would be a great fit yes um in that system um but when you look at the atlanta hawks um it's not just trey young danilo gallinari does his thing 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a myriad of, of people within Nate McMillan's uh, system. Then, you know, he reluctantly assumed that interim head coaching role after Lloyd Pierce left and he was, he, well, he was let go right during All-Star weekend. But, you know, McMillan proved to many people why Indiana made a mistake in letting him go. And you saw, yeah. you saw that because the Pacers didn't even make the playoffs. No, no, I, and I'm right there with you in terms of that being a big mistake for Indiana. And I also, on the topic of Atlanta's players, Bogdanovich has been somebody that I've had my eye on all year too, um, especially in the games that Trey Young missed this year, kind of playing that, you know, kind of point forward type of role for them. I think really kind of buoyed their season a little bit in terms of them being able to climb up in those Eastern Conference standings. So uh, for those of y'all listening, we have Brandon Scoop B. Robinson here joining the Price Check Podcast today. Um, so do you have any dark horse picks coming out of either conference potentially as far as a team that could make a serious championship run? The Knicks. Really? I didn't, I I didn't expect that one. I think that, I think the Knicks, and I'll say this, I think the Knicks as it relates to going deeper into the, into the, let me clarify clarify my statements. The Knicks making a deeper run past the first or the second round. However, I think as it relates to the Eastern conference at large, I think that the Bucks are very overlooked. I think that the Heat are very overlooked. The Heat are still the NBA's Eastern Conference champion. COVID did a number on not just the Heat this season, but also the Boston Celtics. And if it wasn't if it wasn't COVID, it was injuries as it relates to the Los Angeles Lakers. So I guess in answer to your question, the Lakers are a dark horse in a weird way. They're like an underrated, they're like a, a it's almost like they're Rocky Balboa after Rocky too. Okay. And you know, that, that actually is the perfect analogy. Like, although you're a champion, you're still an underdog in some weird way. Like, like last year they were, maybe they were like, and and it's hard to say that that's like, that's like, um, like, I don't know if, if, if the Lakers were in Apollo Creed Rocky one mode last year, or they were in it in 2018 when LeBron arrived, but I feel like in the bubble, they were definitely in that Rocky mode because like, like everybody knew it was going to go to the Lakers and everybody, many people were believing in them, but many people were hating them. I feel like, I feel like um, this year, um, the Nets are in a situation where they're the favorite and I want to see them be successful, but I got questions. Yeah. I'm, I'm in total agreement there because it's like, I think if I read it correctly the other day, the only team that has played less games with their starting five and won a championship, I believe is the 2001 Lakers. Um, And, and even then you still got a, a hard road to get through both Milwaukee and Philly, and then potentially a Lakers team to win a championship and your guys haven't played together. The way, the way some folks in Brooklyn say it to me, they feel like Philly keeps them honest. Um, or rather Miami keeps them honest. Philly is their biggest competition. And within that system in Philadelphia, the thing that they, that Philly has the advantage over them on is, is, is in the, in the, excuse me, in the, in the post with, with Embiid. And even with that, Embiid is not your typical postman. Right. You know, the postman delivers mail, but he also moves weight on the block. He's different, (laughs) you know? So I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, I think, um, Philadelphia is there, you know, from positions one to 15. I definitely think they're there. And it's not just a favorite 
that Brooklyn's going to win it. Just like I think for so many years, Steph Curry has wowed you. You just assumed that Steph Curry was going to have the better hand over LeBron in the playing tournament and that Memphis was just going to fold. And I really feel like the game that they played against Memphis or against the Warriors the week before helped them in guiding them against the, the, the Warriors on Friday night. Yeah. And you can see that they really not only learned their lessons from that game, but definitely took notes from what they saw the Lakers do on defense against the Warriors here uh, on Wednesday and really put that game plan into effect. So uh, on the topic of the play-in, what were your thoughts on just, you know, the idea of the play-in initially coming into the season and then what we actually got to see this week? Do you think that that ended up being a success for the league? When I first heard it, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I, uh, I thought it was whack. Um, it, it felt like George W. Bush's No Child Left Behind. <laughs> Again, a, another accurate comparison. I can't, I can't hate on that. I can't hate right. on that at all. But I love basketball. I, I don't care if I'm, you know, riding down the street and I pass a playground and I'm seeing, you know, young men or women playing and, and it's interesting and I want to watch just because I love basketball. I don't care if it's, you know, high school game. I don't care if it's the college game. I don't care if it's, you know, you, you, you riding down, you riding down by the ballpark next to the projects and you seeing a bunch of kids in a hot summer playing, like it, it's a, it's an exciting game. So, you know, the fact that the basketball regular season was over and we had a week off and if we were to have a week off instead of playing tournament, I, I think people would need their basketball Nicorette gum because they were going to withdraw. You know, so I think at the end of the day, it was a great filler. It was a great placeholder. Um, this is really not new. We, we saw this in the bubble last year uh, with the, with the uh, Portland Trailblazers in the, in, the, um, in the Memphis Grizzlies last year. And I think that's another reason why I think Memphis got it right this time because, you know, they lost to Portland last year. And, you know, they lost in the first game to the Warriors and then they won it. Oh, excuse me. They, they, were, they lost in the first game to San Antonio, correct? Oh, well, they lost on Sunday against the Warriors to have to play the two. Right, 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 right. Yes, oh, yes, yes, yes. Thank beat you. San Antonio right. and, then, and then beat, uh, beat Golden State that second time around. See what happens when you don't have your, your afternoon coffee? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I'm trying to cut down on, on the, the cups of coffee. I'm going from two back down to one. and It's been hard, so I, I relate. I'm lying. I don't even drink coffee. I drink hot chocolate though. But um, <laughs> but I think oh, but you gotta have it with oat milk though. So I try to again. I'm doing one sugar, no cream, no milk, no none of that. So I'm trying to get back to back to black on the coffee. Oat milk. Oat milk is not milk though, really. See now you now you got you might have to get me hip off the screen, man. I gotta oh, I gotta acknowledge it. Oat milk is made from oats. It's not soy. It's not milk. I don't drink milk, but oat milk is the wave. I'm telling you, get on that oat milk kick, man. If you need milk, I, I definitely do because I don't do the cow's milk anymore. So I'm I'm definitely gonna have to tap into the oat milk. It's for cows. It ain't for humans. Yeah, you you got a point there, man. You got a point there. So if y'all just join <laughs> us, this is the Price Check Podcast here with Brandon Scoop B Robinson. So a few quick hit uh, questions before we go. Uh, sure. One, your NBA Mount Rushmore four players. Who would it be? Um, Michael. Um, Magic. Kareem.
Um, Isaiah. Okay, that, that's pretty. That's a pretty top notch list. I can't. I can't do no no nitpicking with that. I want to put LeBron on though, but I can't. But I can't. Um, and 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 the reason why I can is is because I feel like when you put people on a on a Mount Rushmore, they're not playing anymore. Okay. Okay. And see, I've I've had this statement with the whole LeBron versus Mike argument. And one thing that I've always wanted to be cautious of is judging LeBron's career in totality before we have the total picture complete. Uh, and, and granted, he's had a hell of a career, but you do still have to, you, there's nothing in the moment now that's going to make a Jordan fan say, okay, yeah, this is the time where LeBron is taking up. So I really do feel as though LeBron is this generation's Michael, but he, in the sense of Michael is our generation's go, our my, my age groups go, but I feel like Dr. J was my parents. This is Michael Jordan. Okay. And I feel as though using the term Michael Jordan just means the goat or your goat. So if Melissa Ford was the video girl or vixen that everybody liked. Who's this this generation's vixen? You know, right. Mm. So I, I feel like at the end of the day, when it comes down to talking about goats and comparing folks, I, I feel like you have to be very careful because I feel as though LeBron is more magic anyway than he is Michael in style of play, and yeah. I and I and I also believe that um, magic. I respect Magic's career, but I really respect Magic's business acumen when he had to retire. And I feel like when you look at body of work in the NBA or just body of work of a player, the same way you have to look at a body, a whole body of work when you're inducting somebody into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, I feel like you have to examine the full body of work. And people always use that Michael won six championships and didn't lose in the finals. But I also feel like God bless the dead. Kobe lost in the finals. Yeah. A couple times. Um, but we still acknowledge him as a GOAT. But I think what's going to happen as the years go on, Kobe's not here to defend himself. Yep. And so, that, so the optics are going to be the Michael LeBron comparison more. Because in my mind, Kobe plays more like Michael than he does anybody else. I think Kobe is the closest thing to Michael. LeBron plays like Matt plays like magic and his business mind is like magic while he still played. True. Very true. Can we switch up the goat, the greatest of all time to goat greatest of the era? You know what I mean? Like switching all of that out and doing eras instead. Cause I mean, that comparison is never going to end. You answered your own question. Well, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> you answer your own question. People's you I, I mean this respectfully. People's attention spans aren't going to allow that to be. That's not a that's that's a deeper philosophical conversation. And with my experiences, 140 plus characters on Twitter, I don't think people have that level of attention span. I'm not confident in in that ability to switch that up. No. And I think the more it, you even see it now, like where a lot of times Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul Jabbar never brought up in the GOAT conversations because we can't see past, you know, Michael Jordan's career from 84 to 98. So, you know, 
the further and further you get away from some of these greats, and like you said, in, in you know, Kobe's case, not having the ability to defend himself, you're going to start limiting how many people get a seat at the table in some of these arguments, which not necessarily fair to them, but that that's kind of the, the society that we're in. So, yeah, you on the, we're on the same page. Yep, definitely. So, uh, NBA Finals, if you had to predict the winner right now, who would it be? Um, I think the people want to see Brooklyn in LA. Um, and I think this is the year Brooklyn could do it. I think they can at least make it to the finals. Um, I don't bet against the Lakers and I feel as though, um, you know, that they want to see the Lakers in the finals because LeBron didn't get suspended. Facts. <laughs> Facts. My man violated the health and safety protocols. It just, yeah, we, we'll take that one on the chin. LeBron, you're okay. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, and I, and no hate you when you're the best, you, you, you get, listen, man, the popular kid is going to get away with, he going to get away with in, in the principal's office. Yep. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, in answer to your question directly, uh, I'd like to see a Lakers repeat, particularly because at, at face value, um, this Lakers team um, is an older team. Yep. And they had the shortest turnaround window to come back and defend their crown. And in spite of that, I'm impressed that, you know, a roster with Contavious Colwell Pope, uh, Montrez Harrell, Kyle Kuzma, um, and others stepped up. But I'm going to be honest with you, in order for the Lakers to win, um, I personally think Kuzma's got to post like 15 to 20 a game. See, to compliment AD and LeBron. Yeah, and so it's the same it's the same kind of discussion you had going into the bubble last year of okay, who's going to be that third guy. And granted there were some nights where LeBron and AD were so good that it didn't matter who the third person was because there wasn't anything on the other side that was going to stop. Uh but being the seventh seed and granted, you know, you can kind of nitpick at the other teams in the West, but that road, not having home court advantage in any series, um, you know, having to go and get every team's best shot. If you could pull it off this year, that's, that's a special way to go in and repeat. It's, it's literally, um, I used this analogy with somebody the other day. They didn't agree. And after thinking about it, it sounded stupid, but I'll, I'll make myself vulnerable. Um, the, the Lakers are the seventh seed. Um, and it, it feels like the Knicks, when they were the eighth seed, except, you know, Allen Houston hit that shot against Miami. Like, it's not a clear-cut analogy because it, it, it the Knicks weren't expected to go to the finals. Um, the Lakers were, but right. the feeling of just a lower seed making it there and playing the Spurs and you rooted for them. Um, right. Like the Lakers for once aren't the most hated team because people hate the fact that the Nets did the very thing that the Lakers did last year. Mm -hmm. And that's why I said people's attention spans are so short. Um, I feel like the Lakers, even if they don't, um, if the Lakers don't win this year, I don't think people will be mad because LeBron got one coming to L.A. in 2018. He got a championship in L.A. He puts out Space Jam um, and he comes back next year ready. 
Yeah. And I also feel like this. I think that the Clippers are in a great position because the Clippers, um, Rondo is going to do what he does. And that's to go back to that Rondo point. Um, Rondo's making Paul George and Kawhi's job a lot easier. And I also think that DeMarcus Cousins is in a great situation um, because he's a role player and he doesn't have to be the star center. Right. Um, but I also feel as though um, Ty Lue getting a championship or a championship opportunity solidifies that Cleveland wasn't a fluke. Right. I also think that when you look at teams like the Lakers, the Nets, and the, and the, and the Clippers, they have all one thing in common. Year one was BS. Yep. When you look at the Lakers, LeBron got hurt in year one, and him getting hurt allowed them to to not even make the playoffs. And they had a draft pick that allowed them to that they was allowed to trade to get Anthony Davis. When you look at the Nets in year one, KD didn't play. Kyrie had thoracic bursitis in his shoulder. In year two, they got a chance to win a championship. When you look at the Clippers last year in the playoffs. Uh, People doubted Paul George, and I think that was great for his psyche because now he came in kind of under the radar, if that's if that's a, even a phrase, but and is doing his thing. And then you add Rondo. So I think you got to pay attention to year twos with these particular three teams that have been built to win championships. No, very, very valid point right there, man. So um, very, very last question before we let you go. And I think we, we kind of know the answer here. Uh, being from New Jersey, Usually, you know, East Coast, that tri-state area, you got to choose Knicks and Nets for you. you. Are you a Nets man? Well, I have to I have to add this. Yes, I was born in New Jersey, um, but I split time between Jersey and Harlem. Um, so for me, I had the best of both worlds. My mom's from Harlem. My dad is from Jersey. I split time between both. Um, what, I, what I'll say to that is this. Um, the Nets started out on Long Island. They moved to New Jersey. Yeah. The Knicks have always been in Manhattan. It is a Knicks town. Yep. Um, and I think even if the Nets were to win a championship, they didn't, this is still a Knicks town. But I think that the that the Nets have the opportunity to birth um Nets fans. It just takes time because they're in the borough of Brooklyn. Um, I think if I can use an analogy, it's almost like how people how the Sonics moved to Oklahoma City and they had to develop a culture. Yep. Um, I, I think that Kyrie and Kevin Durant uh, making the choice to go to Brooklyn instead of going to New York, um, and Kyrie was never considering, seriously considering joining the Knicks. They were always going to be a package deal, I'm told. Uh, but I'll say that um, if they win at least one, it's great for the Nets franchise but it's still a Knicks town. There you go. There it is. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is the voice of Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Uh, Brandon, let them know where they can find you on social medias and where they can find your work. Well, first and foremost, make sure that you subscribe to the Scoopy Radio Podcast, uh, which is available on all streaming platforms. Uh, we've had anybody from uh, Shaq, Charles Barkley, DJ Khaled, the voice of Siri, Mark Cuban, a myriad of other people, all streaming platforms, or visit ScoopyRadio.com. Um, check out my written work as well as on camera stuff uh, at Valley Sports Network uh, that I am now uh, an employee there. But also follow me on Twitter at Scoop B, um, 
Instagram and Snapchat at scoop underscore B. And um, y'all be safe out there. COVID ain't over. <laughs> Facts. Please say it louder for the, for the people in the back. <laughs> I said what I said. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so no, this has been fun, man. We definitely appreciate you taking time out to do this, man. So, uh, of course, if we can if we can get you back in the future, definitely looking forward to it. I'm around. Call me. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a second. Hey, you over there? Yeah, yeah, you. I'm Brandon Scoopy Robinson, national NBA writer at Valley Sports Network. You know I got to check out my guys. Cha-ching! The Price Check Podcast. They're in there like swimwear. Yo, my man looks like James Harden in his Twitter profile picture. <laughs> I like your boy. Welcome to the A-Train Show. Kalia Collier. We're trailblazing right now, Arlington. Uh, I think what Carolyn is doing with this club is a testament. What I've done with the surge and now being able to work alongside of such phenomenal leadership uh, is we have to stay the course right now and then we have to pay it forward uh, of being able to provide those opportunities for other women in leadership to be able to have a seat at the table and that's what our next generation is looking at right now on the in the zone network this is in the zone they all want to know what's causing all this in st louis the talk of the nfl a talk of professional football is alive and well again. Now you got you got Benjamin Albright and, and Albert Breer on the air in St. Louis radio talking about the possibility of football coming to St. Louis. But why is this happening? You know why? Because Derek King sparked the conversation. On the In The Zone Network. City to city, state to state, and worldwide, KNN is always in the zone. Hey, this is Erica Fernandez, your girl curls in sports, and this is the Price Check Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Price Check Podcast here on the In The Zone Network. So, part two of our show today, friend of the program, my brother from another mother, my boy Jewel Meeks is on the line with us. Jewel, what's going on, bro? Oh, man, I'm just happy to be here. Hey, man, we we happy to have you, bro. Happy to have you, fam. Get ready for these playoffs to get started. It's been an exciting season. I feel like everything has been going since, you know, uh, the bubble last year. So I'm just glad we got more basketball, man. Yeah, and, you know, it's crazy. It does feel like we kind of been going nonstop. Like, it's like we got a couple weeks off after the bubble and then right back into it. Yeah. So, um, but, no, man, we going to, you know, for those of y'all listening, we're going to get into a little bit of a playoff preview. But first – we were going to do some awards, but as many of y'all know, MVP, pretty much a lot. Rookie of the year, not really as much controversy as you think. Coach of the year, of course, we kind of agreed on it being Monty Williams. So, shifting gears just a little bit, we're going to kind of talk through our all-NBA picks. And so, first, second, third team, don't know about Jewel, but I know for me it was uh, it was a tedious, real thought-out, Real long, drawn out process because this is some some battles in these positions that <laughs> made things real difficult on me. So, um, yeah. I, I guess really we can we can start with your first team, um, and then just kind of kind of go into it from there. Yeah. So my first team, I actually, I mean, I, I kind of went back and forth 
uh, pretty often and, and ended up switching a couple of people that I had in my first team to second team okay. just because of how the positions fell. So um, I have Steph and Dane in my guard spots. Uh, just because I think, you know, obviously those two to me were the best guards that did it over the longevity of the season. Okay. And with the flexibility of Luca being able to be at a forward, I feel comfortable there. So, um, yeah, those are my two guards. And like I said, I have Luca in one of the forward spots. I have Giannis in the other forward spot. And then uh, Jokic is my, my center. He's going to round out that, that top five for me. Okay, perfect. So Some solid picks, man. And so, actually, my first team is the exact same. Now, I I have to admit, I was struggling on whether or not I wanted to keep Luca in a guard spot or move him to a forward. But yeah, the, the decision that I had to make for myself was: is there another forward that I can put in that justifies me moving Dame or Luca down the second team? And the more I thought about it, like you. Those, in however you want to look at it, those five guys are having the best five seasons in the league minus Embiid. Right. And that, that was the thing. Like, do you move Embiid to a forward? I just felt more comfortable moving Luka to a forward versus moving Embiid there. Right, because right. I, I don't ever see Embiid play power forward. Like, you're not putting him and, and Dwight out there together in, in any circumstance. So, I don't. I couldn't bring myself to put Embiid at, at a power forward spot, but he definitely had the the second team center spot on lock. <laughs> um, yeah. So second team is where things really got dicey for me because now when you look at that, you kind of have to factor in, you know, who's missed games, and then you know for the guys who have missed games, how impactful were they in the games that they played, and so. Yeah. The only two locks for me on second team were Chris Paul in one of the guard spots and then Embiid at center. What I finally landed on, what I finally landed on for the other spots, in addition to Chris Paul and Joel Embiid, I put Jimmy Butler on my second team. And I put him Mm. in my second guard spot. And my two forwards are Kawhi Leonard and Julius Randle. So we actually have the same starting, well, we're the same five for those uh, second team, except my second guard spot. I just couldn't look past James Harden in that in that second guard spot for for um, second team. I mean, he was too dominant in in the games that he played, and he didn't really miss that many games less than Jimmy. Uh, you know, what I'm saying if you look at it. Right. So with that, with where they were in the games played, I just didn't feel like I could justify putting Jimmy over James Harden in that in that guard spot. So the the only reason I I felt like I could was because if I'm examining Harden's season as a whole, I as much as I don't personally put too much into the few games he played in Houston, like those still factored in. He's like the steel tape out there. You can still look it up. Um, and he just, he wasn't, he wasn't interested in helping the team at all in those eight games. Granted, if you feel like he's justified in his reason or whatever, but I think that just knocked him down a slight peg for me with Jimmy having played 50 games. He played, you know, 
Harden played 44, but I think 36 of them were with Brooklyn, the first eight being with Houston. So Harden, yeah. Harden, he moved down to my third team, but I did have to – I had to give him that, that respect to put him on because, like you said, the games that he played in was just – the numbers were way too massive to, to feel justified in leaving him on. Yeah, I, I mean, I, like I understand the argument, I guess. It's just me if you – because there's really only an eight-game difference between – what Harden and Butler play. And if you were, let's just say James Harden plays maybe six of those eight, then he get up to 50 games. We're not really even having this conversation right. at all. Right. So I, I'm so fine with, with being, the – What they being said, his season to me is just too – where, where the team was with him on the court and then, you know what I'm saying, in combination with him only having about an eight-game difference – yeah, I, I had to go ahead and slide him in there for him. Right, and so then going down to the forward spots, I basically had to give Julius Randle one spot and decide between Kawhi and LeBron for the other forward spot. And, again, mm-hmm. I gave I gave Kawhi the benefit of the doubt on the game's play, even though, again, it's a, it's a small nitpick, but I, I, I'll give Kawhi the benefit of the doubt just in being available for more games. But if I'm being 100% honest, I can see you going either way with that just because the last, you know, handful of games that he played in the regular season, granted they weren't playing for as much having their seating locked up, but Kawhi didn't look like Kawhi in those games, whereas the, you know, 45 or 46 games that LeBron played, he was at an MVP level. Yeah, and I, I mean we're gonna we probably gonna get into that more when we talk about that matchup against uh, Dallas. But Kawhi almost derailed himself from making an All NBA team the way he finished the season. If you ask me, like yeah. I did go ahead and throw him on the second team just because I feel like the way that they started the season and pretty much up until like maybe the last two or three weeks, they look he he looked like a top 15, you know what I'm saying, NBA player. But it's going to be real shaky to see how they look coming into this first round, man, because I was not impressed by Kawhi. I wasn't impressed by PG or the Clippers to end the season. No, not at all. So, you know, we'll definitely touch on that here in a second once we start talking through uh, the individual playoff series. But uh, getting into the third team. So third team for me, of course, I mentioned James Harden. Uh, my other guard on that third team is um, Bradley Beal, LeBron. Mm. My second forward spot on that third team, I gave it to Zion. And then my mm. my third team center is Rudy Gobert. Okay. So, <laughs> that's funny. Again, we pretty much agree. I, I, like I said, I did have Jimmy – I had him on the third team instead of James Harden. Um, and then I have Zion and Bron in those forward spots. And I was really going back and forth between uh, Demonis Sabonis and, and Rudy Gobert for that center spot. But I just feel like when you're number one in the, the West, uh, probably going to be defensive player of the year again. Like, it's, you, you kind of have to give Rudy that third center spot. So, uh, I agree with you there, but I actually went with the other Washington Wizard guard for my third team. So you went with uh, Westbrook spot. Yeah, 
Okay. And, and, and really the only reason I did is because, uh, you know, I like to look at the advanced numbers. Right. And he had a much higher, what they consider a player estimated impact on each individual game than Brad did. Like, Westbrook's in the top 20 um, as far as that goes. And I want to say Brad was somewhere around like 40. So, gotcha. I mean, that's a difference of 20 other people. That's making a difference, you know what I'm saying? And with Westbrook averaging a triple-double again, leading every player in the NBA by over two assists a game, it was – I just kind of had to give him that nod there. But it it did hurt me uh, not giving that to Brad. Yeah, so basically, like, with my my guards on that third team, essentially Brooklyn and Washington, I had to pick one player out of each backcourt because – it, you have to have somebody from the Nets represented if, if they're the second team in the East. And mm-hmm. as much as Kyrie balled this year, 27 points a game, 50-40-90 splits, um, I, I agree with you in the fact that Harden literally was the difference from people thinking that, oh, this team is a contender to this team is the favorite. Um, right. And, and then same thing for me, at least with Brad Beal, just kind of using more eye tests for the totality of the season. I felt like from beginning to end, Brad was just a little bit more consistent. Whereas like with West uh, Westbrook to me, that first maybe month to, you know, that first four to five weeks, he wasn't really the Westbrook that we saw to end the season. Now, granted the Westbrook yeah. we saw to end the yeah. season was outstanding. But I I gave Brad the nod there, especially averaging thirty one points a game. I, I had to give him a little bit of respect there. Can we give the nod, can, or can we give some consideration to? Uh, granted, he didn't his team didn't make the playoffs, but Zach Levine, you know, he had he missed what fourteen games due to the protocols and right. stuff. He had career highs, twenty seven points a game. He uh, shot fifty one percent from the field, shot forty two from three, and shot eighty five from the line. You know, in in 35 minutes of play, granted, like I said, the two weeks or the two uh, uh, 14 games that he missed, you know, that could have also propelled them, especially when they got Nikola uh, Vujicic. Right. You know, that could have helped them get past uh, the Wizards, possibly for the eighth seed. You know, granted, it was a struggle for them, but it's like I got to give some consideration to him uh, in some capacity because he balled out this year. So, I guess I can answer first. I think, to me, the reason I can't – I can't give Levine a spot. Just one, you only you only get six guards. So, you if you look at at least the guards that I have, Steph, Dame, CP3, Jimmy Butler, Harden, and Bill, it's like who do you take off at, at that point? Now, granted, Zach did have a hell of a season, and before you know the trade and him going out with the the issues with the protocols, he definitely was playing out of his mind. But I think one having a guy like Bill, who was you know back and forth with Steph, leading the league and scoring, again hardened the impact that he had on the team that was already pretty close to being a top contender in the East, but really pushing them over the over the top. Um, Jimmy leading the league in steals, seven assists, seven rebounds. Chris Paul doing what he did for Phoenix. Like, it just – there's just too many guys and not enough spots at some point. Because we also – we're not putting Donovan Mitchell on here. We're not talking about Devin Booker. Um, wow. 
that's like a, that's you know, even bigger. Yeah, so you you got a lot of guys who it just it's not enough spots for them. Granted, they all had fantastic seasons, but to me, I just I don't know that there's anybody I could take off for for Zach. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. And, I mean, like, you still even left off a couple more names because we're talking about Trey Young, right. who made the playoffs and went 25-9 and nine a game. You, we're still looking at, you know, maybe uh, Jason Tatum. You can maybe throw him. I, that's more of a forward. But yeah. um, I would say maybe even Jalen Brown maybe even has a better case than Zach Levine just because of where those teams kind of finished and, and they impact. But – um, I got. I actually, ha- I do got a name for y'all. Let me see what y'all think about this one. When you look at Demar Derozan season, mm. why is he not brought up in that conversation with him averaging basically twenty two seven and four uh, on the team that you know we thought was maybe gonna finish bottom five in the league with the talent that they have. We understand that they have pop, but the talent that they have would say that that team was was supposed to be nowhere near a playing game, and and they were there. So I think to me, it Demar kind of fa- falls into this weird space of he is almost unlike some other players hurt by the fact that you could have him at a guard or forward spot because you mm. now have to. You now have to one justify which position it is, and then two justify okay if it's a guard, you're kind of running through the same exercise we just did for Zach Levine. But it's almost even harder this year for the forwards because now that you can push Luca down to the forward, that takes away that second, uh, first team spot at forward. The guards were yep. locks, like we said. Same thing with second team. Like granted. I would love to add DeMar DeRozan to one of these teams, but at the same time, I can't put him over Julius Randle. I can't put him over Kawhi. Even in the limited games that we got out of LeBron, I definitely can't say that his games were more impactful than LeBron's 45 to 46. And, and again, I know there's some people that are going to be listening to this that say, you know, how can y'all put Zion on here, but you're not going to consider, you know, DeRozan or some of these other guys who are eligible at forward. I want y'all to to go and just look up how many players have averaged 27 points a game and also shot 60% from the field. If you don't if you want to save the time, I can give you the list. Zion Williamson. That's it. It's the list. He's he is the list. It's just him. <laughs> he's the only one. He, he's one of one. So if we talk like it's just one of those years where there's too many guys that you have to factor into these spots that have had outstanding seasons to where DeMar, he's probably helped make himself a little bit more money here going towards the back end of his career, going into free agency this year. But it's just too hard for me to take out another one of these guys that's already in you know this group of 15 and replace them with DeMar. Yep, uh, I agree. Yep, so – um, no, so that actually that actually uh, ended up being a little bit more uh, chalk between the two of us than than I thought. So, um, shifting gears now here on the Price Check Podcast, going to the playoff preview, and so we'll start with the Eastern Conference. Um, I think we're both pretty aligned in the fact that one eight with Philly and Washington, as well as the two seven with Brooklyn and Boston, are going to be some pretty quick series, right? Yeah, they got efficient. Yeah, it's over with. Early summers for for Washington and, and Brooklyn. I mean, sorry, Washington and Boston. Um, Washington, they might get a game. 
you know, it, it, maybe if it gets real frisky, you might see Russ go steal too. But I, I really doubt it with just the type of mismatch that Joel Embiid is going to have. And then same thing with Boston. They just don't have the guys to guard KD, Harden, and, and Kyrie. Not to say that there's a lot of teams that do, but them specifically, they're, they're not, especially without Jalen Brown, they just don't have the horses. Yeah, it would have been more interesting if Jalen Brown was playing just because neither team really has a big. Right. So if if Tatum would have been able to maybe take that next step, you know, how he does in the playoffs anyway, um, and and meet one of those superstar levels and then Jalen Brown would have done it as well, it really would have been interesting to see kind of how that, you know, that New York guard with Kyrie and Kemba going back and forth trying to, you know, establish that turf and all of that, it, that would have been intriguing. But with Jalen Brown out, I, it's a sweep. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, so Jason Tatum, I would love for him to steal a game or something like that. But, you know, better yeah. luck next year. So, um, the 3-6 matchup, Miami and Milwaukee, um, game is actually kicking off as we record. Uh, Miami up two points early in that one. Um, I – I think Milwaukee is just built different this year. And and as I say that, I feel like while this might be a still might be a tough series for them, I think having taken that L in the bubble last year and then also just the scrutiny that they've received from the the playoff losses that they've had over the last couple years. I think this is a year where you might see that breakthrough for them with Giannis playing at an MVP level still. You have Chris Middleton playing, you know, at, at as high as a level as he's ever played. And then having a steady vet like Drew Holiday that's going to come in and really play, you know, both sides of the court. It, it's going to be real tough for Miami this year. Now, granted, they haven't really had all of their guys together all at once, you know, all year long. But, you know, when you start looking at the guys that they have playing serious minutes like, you know, an Iguodala, like a Trevor Ariza, um, where you have, a, you know, some older guys that have to put a lot of those minutes on. Granted, we know that they can do it, but at the same time, that's not the optimal situation right now, having to see Giannis in the Bucks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I would say that this is going to be the hardest matchup for Giannis individually, but as I thought last year, I think that the Bucks are just they, – they're too talented. Right. And so with with them kind of getting those lumps in the last couple of years, I think that they kind of took Coach Bud off of the high course that he was on, being Coach of the Year and all of that. And, you know, they had that new car smell with Giannis getting his first MVP and people thinking, okay, it's their time. Well, they've really had to kind of settle in, look in the mirror and figure out what, how can we make the game easier for everybody on the court? Right including Giannis. And so I think that um, there won't be as big of a coaching mismatch this year with Bud and Spo as there has been. Now, what Jimmy are we going to get? Because if we get if we get superstar Jimmy, then um, the series is going to go seven. That's, that's the scary I'm not really sure who wins in seven. That's the scary part because if you – like you said, if you get superstar Jimmy that we got in the bubble, it gets a little dicey at that point. But to me, I think the the difference is going to be how the role players on each team 
rise to the occasion. So, like, the guys yeah. that I'm thinking about specifically for Milwaukee would be, like, P.J. Tucker, how involved is he in this series, if at all? And if he is, how, you know, big of an imprint is he leaving on the series? Because um, mm-hmm. if he's if he's playing well, he's the key that kind of unlocks all of the different lineups and matchups that they can kind of go with. Um, and the other guy to me is going to be DiVincenzo. Like, is the moment going to be too big for him? Or has he, you know, kind of learned from last year too um, and being able to step up into that role and being, you know, that shooter or maybe secondary playmaker in some situations, uh, you know, as they get deeper in the playoffs if they can get past the series. But specific to this series, I think those two for Milwaukee and then, like I said, the guys like Trevor Ariza, Andre Iguodala, those Wally vets, um, you know, for Miami, can they really have an effect on, you know, a guy like Giannis or, you know, as they throw themselves at Chris Middleton, can they really slow those two guys down to the point where it, you know, kind of becomes that slugfest that Miami wants it to be? Well, yeah, I, I can see that. But I think even with – even if it is slowed down to – the slugfest that Miami will want, I still think that it's going to come down to guys like Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn. If they can help Jimmy put the ball in the hoop, then I think that Miami can make this more of like how last year was. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so prediction time. If you had to put winner and how many games they win in the end, who you go with? Bucks and six. Okay, okay. I'll I will go. I'll go Bucks and seven. I think it can be that that good of a series, especially if we get the Jimmy that we've talked about. But I do think that this Milwaukee team is a little bit better equipped this year to handle that type of fight. So uh, I'll go. So my thing is, I'm going Bucks and six. But if it goes seven games, Miami wins. Hmm. Okay. Where do you have it? So, last series in the East, we've got New York Knicks, Atlanta Hawks. Um, Both of us believe that this could potentially be the best series in the first round in the Eastern Conference. So, I I actually, um, are we sure about that? So, the more that I think about the the ceiling of the Miami Milwaukee series, I second guess that. But I think just from a pure entertainment standpoint, and just I, I kind of alluded to this before, but how like you know they say in boxing styles make fights. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is that type of series where you have a New York team that plays a real rugged New York you know type of game. Whereas the Hawks, they can play rugged, they can get after it on defense, but they also can do it in transition, get up and down the court. Um, I think it's going to be a contrast of styles, but I think it's going to be one of those contrasts that becomes really entertaining and really interesting to watch play out um, over the course of seven games. And I'm really, really interested to see what Trey Young shows up in this series because I think that's really going to tell us how long the series goes and which direction uh, it goes in. So let me uh, let me hit you with something and, and just tell me what you think about that because that's exactly the same mindset and thought that I had when I saw it on paper. The way that you know the whole 
blue collar New York lifestyle is versus flashy Atlanta. It, like the teams fit the cities down to a T. It's, right. it's perfect. And then I went and looked at some numbers. The Knicks are three and zero versus Atlanta this year. Okay. The the Knicks are averaging one hundred and twenty four points per game, and they're shooting forty seven percent from three, over three games. That's that's not ideal if you're the Hawks. Thing. <laughs> that's not ideal at all. Julius uh, Randle. It's averaging 37, 12, and 7 assists on 58% shooting and 50% from three. And he has two forty pieces. Yeah, so I do very vividly remember throughout the season. I couldn't remember how the records broke down or how the results of the games broke down, I should say. But I do remember Julius Randle killing them every single time they played. And that, yeah. those numbers definitely support that. So I – what I have to adjust, though, for the playoffs is, and I don't know how spread out their games were throughout the regular season, but there is something that has to be accounted for when you look at just having to play one team in, you know, potentially seven games over the course of two weeks, basically. Um, there are some things that you can adjust to. Now, granted, there's a lot of adjustment. It sounds like the Hawks would have to make it in that situation to kind of close the gap there, but I – kind of lean towards the Knicks anyway coming into the series um, just because I think when you have you know Julius Randle doing what he's doing and again the type of style that they play I think they're just a little bit more built for the playoff series yep. um, so if I had to make a prediction I would probably go Knicks in six um, wouldn't be surprised if it goes to seven, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it's a sweep or a five game in one direction. Like it, it really is that type of wow. has that type of variance to me in terms of how the the styles could clash. Yeah, so I'm, I mean, if if we go on prediction, I'm definitely saying that this is a six or seven game series. It just really surprised me because I, I thought that. The Knicks. I didn't think that the Knicks would would be averaging 124 points against them. Like Not that's the second. That's the second highest that they averaged against a team. They averaged 125 against uh, Memphis Grizzlies. So, um, for them to to have beaten them three games, and for it to have looked like that, that's very surprising. I'm really interested to see what adjustments Nate McMillan can make because I think the first game may have been where Lloyd Pierce was still coaching. But I know for sure that the last two were like uh, March and April. So. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm going Nixon 7 in that way. Okay. Nixon 7 for Jewel. So, listening to the Price Check Podcast here, we got my boy Jewel Meeks on. Switching gears over to the Western Conference now and previewing those series. Um, we finally got our result for Utah and Memphis. Uh, or, I'm sorry, we got the result to see who Utah is playing. It is now the Memphis Grizzlies. Doesn't really have a great impact in terms of my pick. Um, I think Utah probably wins that one in five. But, you know, excited to see Ja and that team get in the playoffs and try to push them down the list. Yeah, it'll be a gentleman's sweep. I think Ja, I think the Grizz is good enough to get one. And... Um, I 
think the thing that really hurts them is that Jaron Jackson isn't 100%. Because I think if he was 100%, that could push Valanciunas off the floor and put Jackson at the five, and then that spreads the whole floor out where you can play Rudy off the floor. But because they have to keep their center on the on the floor, I think at all times, pretty much, um, that'll allow Rudy to kind of make his impact in a playoff series, probably for the first time that we'll be able to see. So, right. um, I think that 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 works up very much in favor of the Utah Jazz. But uh, yeah, it'll be a gentleman sweep on that one. Yeah. So, five gamer there uh, in favor of Utah. Similar prediction for me, you know. Favorite team of the podcast, so to speak, the Lakers going against the Suns. Um, sucks for the Suns because they've had a hell of a season, but the one worst possible matchup for them was the Lakers, and that's the matchup that they happened to draw in the first round. So I think it'll probably be a gentleman sweep there also. Um, knowing the Lakers and how they did in the bubble last year, they'll probably lose game one tomorrow and then win the last the last four. Um, but I, I think it'll be, you know, a five game and out for, for Phoenix there. Yeah, um, I'm thinking this will be a gentleman sweep. However, Phoenix beat us twice. They they beat us twice this season. Did they? I mean, granted, that's without that's. I know I know for sure there was one game where it was pretty much just Brown out there by himself. I think uh, Mark Gasol, Anthony Davis, and Kuzma were all out for that game. So, right. uh, and Brown went for 38. <laughs> oh, okay. So, I mean, yeah, we know they have nobody um, at all that can match up with Brian. And right. the more Jake Crowder talks, it just helps. So, exactly. I'm so glad that he'll be out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think it'll be a gentleman sleep. I, just, I don't think that they, they have enough. And I really hate that for him because I thought that they would at least maybe win, you know, a playoff series with the way that their season went. Right, and they had a hell of a season, but it's you really don't want to you don't want to go to the defending champs and see them as a seven seed. Right, got you, got you. So uh, we'll move through the the four or five real quick too, since I, I don't have very very high hopes at all for Dallas. Would love to see Luca move past the Clippers, but I, again, I just think it's a bad matchup for them. Yeah, I mean, and we talked about it, uh, you know, as we were prepping, but I just think it it really resides on Porzingis. If he has a great series, it'll go longer. But if not, um, I think the Clips will win in either five or six. Yeah, I'll give Dallas the the benefit of the doubt and say six right now, but I I definitely wouldn't be surprised um, if it only goes five. So last series in the West before before we break this thing out – Denver and Portland, which I, I think we talked yesterday about this potentially being the, the best matchup in the first round and arguably even, you know, potentially depending on how things shake out, the matchup of the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. Denver, I am expecting a Michael Porter Jr. coming out party. I, I'm putting it on wax now. I'm expecting Michael Porter Jr. to have a hell of a series and in part, you know, next to Jokic, be the reason why Denver ends up coming out of the series. Um, but I don't, I don't think this goes anything shorter than six games, and probably goes seven. Yeah, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, 
I mean, he's the X factor in the series. I mean, really, because Portland doesn't have anybody that can guard his size. Right. So um, if he can give Jokic that second superstar or even star-like um, performances on three out of the four games, I think that they'll be able to, to, to figure out a way to win that other one. Um, but if not, then this is Portland series, and that's kind of how I have it shaken out. Okay. Um, I just think that when you look at Damian Lillard and, and C.J. McCollum, that, that backcourt is too much when you don't have something on the other side. When you're looking at Facundo Compazzo, <laughs> it's not it's – not, you're not looking too good, Coach. Mike Malone going to need a, a few subs. So, yeah. um, I, th- I think that this is going to be too much for him. And, and Portland was really rolling. I think they won like eight of their last ten games. Um, so, they're really finding that groove now that Nurk is kind of getting his minutes steady and everybody's getting their legs back under him. So, um, I, th- I just think that those two in the backcourt is going to be too much for, for Denver. Gotcha. Okay. I got – I think I'll take Denver in seven. I, I'm, again, expecting a Michael Porter Jr. coming out party, and I think Jokic, if he is going to continue doing MVP things in, in the way that he has done all regular season, I think even with the firepower that Portland has, that's going to be a lot to overcome because those two players, even though Nurkic, it, it, like you said, it's kind of rounding in the form, I think those two players play at positions where it's going to hurt Portland the most. And so – if you can get your, you know, let's say 55 to 60 out of Jokic and Porter in the same way that you, you know, get 55 to 60 out of CJ and Dame on the other side, uh, you know, the difference of, of Jokic being able to make plays for others and get some other guys involved might be the difference. Yeah, well, I mean, we're going to have to see it. That means uh, pretty much. So you so you looking you thinking that Michael Porter is probably gonna average over twenty in this series? Yeah, is I'm, that what you? I'm okay. I'm expecting something like twenty five to twenty seven. I know that's putting a lot on him. That's putting a lot on wow. him. But I think in this series and the the way that Portland has, or I, I guess the the lack of ability to play defense, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of my reasoning. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So I, I I can't really I can't really disagree <laughs> with, with with how you going about it. I just say I think uh, with Portland in that offense, I, I don't think that Denver have enough unless Michael Porter does what you just said. So yeah, so no that that's right on time, then, man. So um, before we get out of here, if you had to make a finals prediction right now, two teams and the winner, who would you pick? Uh, we going Lakers Nets. And I'm taking the Lakers in six. Mm. Okay. I I got a little little bit of a hot take here. I got okay. a Lakers Bucks finals. That's hard. I got a Lakers Bucks finals and I got Lakers in six in that one also. Yeah, I mean that's the only team I think that can beat Brooklyn um in the East right. is is Milwaukee, so That'll be right on time, and that'll kind of change that narrative around Giannis right now. But uh, I don't see it happening. If James Harden's healthy, the Brooklyn Nets are going to the finals. Hey, you heard it here first. Price Check Podcast, that is the voice of Jewel Meeks. Jewel, you know you're always welcome, bro. Family, we appreciate you coming on. And uh, for those of y'all out there listening, this has been 
an outstanding episode of the Price Check Podcast here on the End of Zone Network, going city to city, state to state, worldwide. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and until next time, man, we are checking out.